Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, what's going on, guys? we got Roy McElroy on this podcast. Spoke with him a couple times in the spring. I spoke with him in Bay Hill uh, about major championships in general, his philosophy, thoughts on that, the Open Championship, St. Andrews, how he likes that course. Remember, he was injured uh, from rupturing his Achilles tendon from playing soccer, so we missed it in 2015. So it's been 12 years since he's played in an Open Championship. So we're going to get to that a little bit later in the podcast, that, that conversation with him about St. Andrews, about major championships. But we're going to start here. When I spoke with him at Wells Fargo about a month ago, get into some different topics, favorite sporting events, his family, what that means to him, and also this leadership stuff with the PAC and his role there with the tour. Yeah, so we'll get into a few things here with Rory. Obviously, he's always fun to talk with, and there's there's some great insight here uh, from Rory, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's uh, Rory McIlroy on Beyond the Clubhouse. And before we get to that, we want to remind you, EncoreGolf.com, check them out online. Three balls, one truth, technology matters. As we know, golf is complicated. Choosing the right golf ball for your game doesn't have to be. So Encore's three-ball lineup covers the full spectrum of spin, trajectory, and compression to ensure your golf game is completely dialed in. With their direct-to-consumer model, they have a golf ball fit for any budget. You can go online and use my promo code, B, the letter B, Clubhouse. And get 10% off when you order online at EncoreGolf.com. Let's get to Rory McElroy on Beyond the Clubhouse. I'm here with Rory McElroy, and you're a sports fan like all of us at home. So what sporting event, what moment is, is the one that comes to mind as a fan that you enjoyed the most? Um, yeah, I think like people always ask me, like, what, what are your hobbies? <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know if I have any, but I think I love going to sporting events. Not like, like watching on TV is one thing, but like actually going and, and witnessing them live. Um, I've been to some like uh, world heavyweight title fights in boxing, you know, some big games in soccer. I think the one thing that sticks out to me is uh, actually before the Vegas tournament, before the CJ Cup in October last year, we went to uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, which was unbelievable. There was five knockdowns. Um, Wilder, oh Wilder was down three times. Fury was down twice. Um, Fury ended up knocking him out, and winning the winning the uh, winning the match, but also winning like all the belts. Um, so that was really cool. So that's the one that sticks out to me. And I think just there's something very primitive about like a, a boxing fight or, or anything like that. It's sort of um, I don't know. It just sort of brings you back to like survival of the fittest and all that stuff and like i've never felt the energy like a big fight before like that's something that's really cool speaking of the energy i can feel my favorite athlete on in the world is rafael nadal he's always playing like he's an underdog right and his energy to come back at the australian open was the greatest moment i got so excited uh as a, an irrational fan i bought drinks for people in the bar that i didn't even know <laughs> my question to you rory is have you ever done anything irrational as a fan for your team or athletes um I'm not sure I've, been, I've went that far before. Uh, 
I mean, I remember uh, I went to the Champions League final in 2011, Man United Barcelona. I remember riding on the uh, on the subway in London or the the tube in London to get to the game at Wembley. Um, and I remember being in with all United fans and singing all the songs and stuff like that. So I guess that's pretty cool. But um, I certainly didn't buy them all drinks. And it wasn't anything to celebrate either. We ended up getting beaten in the end by probably the one of the best uh, Barcelona teams ever. So, But it was uh, it was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, well, just transition briefly to family real quick because I know this is such a big part of your life. Your dad, Jerry, what did he teach you in terms of a selfless lesson um, in your life that you take on even today? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, both my mom and dad, um, they worked extremely hard for, like, not just for me, for themselves and to support the family and to be able to have, um, you know, some nice things and, you know, go on holiday sometimes and do all that stuff. But I think just um, like my dad's selflessness, you know, he worked three jobs at one point, you know, he'd get up in the morning he'd go one job, he'd go in the afternoon to his next job, and then he'd go in the evening to the bar and do his third job. So, you know, my dad took on three jobs for, for quite a few years. And, I, you know, he worked 80, 90-hour weeks, some some weeks. and um, But it was all, I didn't realize at the time, but all to, you know, support me and my ambition to be a golfer. And um, it's, a, it's a really cool thing. I mean, I, I'll never be able to repay them for what they did. My mom took on, you know, night shifts at work instead of just working normal hours, and that made some more money as well. So, like, both of them made some really big sacrifices. And, again, I didn't realize at the time, but at least I'm pretty, you know, I, I, I appreciate it now, and I know as a parent what that means um, and how much of their own time and their own relationship they give up for me. Mm. Uh, and, and I think the only real way I could appreciate that is being a parent myself and having a daughter and and um, you're going through all that so yeah my you know my mom and dad are both um, you know they personify selflessness in some way and um, yeah I'll obviously always be very appreciative of, of, of what they did well speaking of being a parent yourself uh, your daughter what's the big moment you're looking forward to next in her life um, that you can't miss for the world yeah I mean every I mean there's so many things I mean it's I've been pretty fortunate. They've traveled with me a bunch. Um, it's not as if I, I, I didn't really miss her first word or her first step or anything like that. So I've been lucky to be at those um, those events. I think, I don't, you never know. I think at this point, you never know what's going to come out of their mouth next or what they're going to say. <laughs> or So I think that's the cool thing. It's just everything right now is so new and exciting for them. And um, yeah, just looking forward to all of it. It's it's a it's a fun time right now. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to what's next in your career as well, buddy. So thank you. Enjoy. I appreciate that. President of PAC, like, what are you looking forward to for the rest of the year in terms of initiatives to push? Um, so there's a few things. The game of golf right now is, um, it sort of is headed into different directions. Obviously, you've got a concept out there that's more. Um, premium players, limited fields, um, opportunities only for a few people. And then you have what the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour have is a wonderful product, opportunities for more than just 48 players. Um, and I think it's, it's trying to find a balance of the two. I think there's some way that all of this can work together. And I think that's the, that's the big challenge right now to try to, try to you know, sort of you know, give the fans what they want in terms of like you know some of these different concepts and formats, but also you know make sure that we're giving 
every professional golfer a chance to to make a living and uh, and to play in as many tournaments as possible. So it's just sort of trying to find that balance, and that's sort of what we're working through at the minute. Once I find what I like, um, I just sort of stick with it. So. I'm really happy with my clubs at the minute. I've got a great driver, great three-wood, great five-wood. Love my irons, my wedges, my putter. I mean, I might mess around with adding another wedge in there and taking out a three-iron or something like that. But right now, I'm I'm really happy with where everything is, and you know, I feel like I could play the Open Championship tomorrow with the with the set of clubs that I have, which is a really nice feeling. Yeah, no, I love the sound of that. Um, Jack Nicholas is a great mentor to so many of you on tour. What have you learned from him recently? Any, any lessons from Jack? Um, I just love, like, I, I see Jack all the time at home. I see him at the Bears Club. I mean, I've had lunch with him maybe, you know, twice or three times in the last couple of weeks. Um, but just on the, not just sort of, I'm sitting there, he joins me. He's sitting there, I join him, whatever it is. And uh, I just love how simple he makes the game seem. I think that's the thing. He, you know, he... he he was a master of it, of just simplifying everything that he did, not overcomplicating it. And like at the you know at the heart of it, this game is is simple if you break it down. Um, and he really has a great way of articulating that. And I, I love spending time with Jack because you know even the stories and you know he I mean, he's so sharp. He remembers all of you know those times where he's been in contention and big moments. And it's cool just to listen to him, retell them, and and hear stories about the older guys. Like if he's telling a story about Watson or Trevino or Arnold or Garrett, whoever it is, um, it's it's always a it's always a pleasure to spend some time with Jack. Yeah, and then he's a big Ryder Cup guy. You are as well. Uh, what is it about this venue? Do you know much about the venue coming up, and do you plan to play the Italian Open at some point? You think? Yeah, um, I need to. Yeah, I don't know much about it at all, um, and I need you know. Hopefully, there's an opportunity for me in the next um, you know, 12 to 18 months to, to, to get over to Rome and play it, whether that's in the Italian Open or not. But I think one of the big things coming out of last last year at Whistling Straits was um, you know, the American guys just seemed to know the course a little bit better, seemed a little more comfortable on it. I'm not saying that that was the reason that they won. I think they just played better than us you know, across the board. But um, it seems like home Ryder Cup seemed to be more of an advantage now than they ever have been. So... I think it's important for the Europeans to, to use all that advantage um, as, as best they can. Yeah, last question. Uh, your role on Team Europe at the moment, how much do you relish? You know, what, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've taken on a leadership role you know, within the European team the last few Ryder Cups, probably from 2014 onwards. Um, so, like, the last four Ryder Cups... Um, and it's a, it's a role that I enjoy. You know, I, there, there's, a few, there's a few leaders now on our team. You've got John Ram, myself... Um, you know the younger guys like even someone like a Victor Hovland that's now played one you know next time he'll you know he'll be someone that some of the other rookies might look up to and so um, but it's it's important it's important to have a cohesive team and everyone be on the same wavelength and you know I think some of the leaders of the team and the captain set the tone for the week so you know that's sort of always in the back of my mind of making sure that um, I try to lead by example always appreciate it buddy thanks so much thank you Good cheers all right, so there's a quick conversation with Rory getting into a few things, obviously, with his leadership and with, uh, I love the sporting event uh, comments there, his memories there on the tube um, back in the day watching some soccer. So before now uh, we finish this podcast, I did have some sound here with him as we speak about 
the Open Championship, St. Andrews, what does it mean to him? And also kind of major championship philosophy. I think the beginning of this question here, or this answer from Rory, we're really getting into what is he thinking? What is his mindset going into majors uh, this time around? And also, I think at the time, this was right before the Masters when we recorded this. So he was talking about the Masters specifically here. But then, of course, we're going to segue into the Open Championship as well. Hope you guys enjoy. I always just try to go back to okay, what you know, what would ten-year-old Rory think of what you're doing right now? <laughs> I love it, and he'd love it, right? He'd absolutely love it, and I think that's that's the attitude you have to go with. Mm. I think that's the thing that's like okay, what? Whenever I sat down on the sofa with my dad and watched the Masters as a kid, <laughs> like what what would I think of what I'm doing right now? And yeah, I mean, geez, this is what I've always wanted to do, so. You know, obviously that comes with its pressures and its responsibilities and its burdens at times, but at the same time you you have to be like this is I mean this is what I've dreamed of. This is what I've always wanted to do. So I mean you can't bitch about it that much. It's it's a pretty good life that I'm living. It is, it is. And you said that um, you still want to win it as badly as we told Sully as you ever have. Yeah. What exactly reminds you of that? Like I know I'm sure there's a lot of different things that come up, but I mean what um... I think just the the, the, the feeling of satisfaction when you are on that 18th green and you hold the pot or you have the trophy or and that feeling of like I think as well like I've I've started to appreciate the the help that I've had to get to this point so getting back to the locker room after a prize ceremony sitting down with Harry or my dad or Michael and having a beer and just being like that was a pretty good week you know, just that sort of stuff, yeah. you know, and you enjoy it with people and they're on the journey with you and just to share it with people like that, I think is really cool. Mm. So I think that's why, you know, that it's the feeling. It's the feeling of winning. It's the feeling of knowing that you've come out on top of in a field of 150 and, you know, you've had to go through some challenges and get the best out of yourself at the right times. And, you know, that's there's just a sense of satisfaction in that that is hard to describe. Right. So that's sort of that's that's why I want to win badly. It's just it's that sense of satisfaction is really, and you put the work in, and you you want to be rewarded yeah. for the work that you, you put in. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, go ahead so. Yeah. Underwhelmed at the start, <laughs> very underwhelmed. <laughs> and then the more I played it, the more I started to appreciate it for what it was, and the more I started to enjoy it and love it, where it is, what it stands for, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's just so cool. It's such a cool place, and like, just think of the history and the, the people that have played there, the people that have won claret jugs there. Um, it's just a, it's just a really, really cool piece of land. Um, and yeah, so, so I'd say it was. You know, I, I, I learned, I learned to love it. I learned to appreciate it. Um, but I, certainly at the start, it wasn't something that I was like, you know, I think you have such high expectations going there. Oh, my God. And then my, my expectations at the start weren't, they didn't live up to that. But then you start, once you start going back, you just start to appreciate everything that, that it is. Swilkin Bridge, the yeah, feeling, right? Yeah, I mean, that just... whole thing, teeing off beside the RNA clubhouse, basically playing back in towards the town at 18, like all that stuff <laughs> is just, it's so cool. 
Yeah, and and for this year, I mean, you missed it in fifteen. I was I was heartbroken for you. How 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 much do you look forward to it now with this chance? Yeah, I you know that was and I was planned so well, and you know I I'd, I'd finished fourth at Augusta. I I had a run at at Chambers Bay, and just didn't quite wasn't able to sort of keep that going, and I was playing well going into going in there, and then obviously I got the injury. So yeah, it was it was tough because I feel like the momentum that I had in the majors was sort of halted right then. Ugh, killer man. And then I sort of then it was you know the the major my major since then have sort of been stop and start. I've had some chances, Masters, Open, a couple of chances at the U.S. Open actually, but um, yeah. So it's it's sort of it was it's a little bittersweet going back in a way. Mm. But I'm I'm happy to be going back. I mean, it's always. I mean, I'd love if I'd love if they played the, the Open at St Andrews every year. Like, I would <laughs> the just, Rota. Yeah, I'd love that. All get time rid, Rota. Get rid of the Rota and just do that. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm excited to go back there because I I play that course well. I have good feelings there. I have good memories there. Um, so I just just got to wrap myself in cotton wool for for the month of June so that I can get there in July. I love it. Any unfinished business? Is, that, is there a feeling of that at all? Because you were on the roll and because yeah, maybe. you played I mean, well tw- in 10. Yeah, so twice. You know, I, I had that bad round in, uh, in 2010 on the second day after opening with 63 and then not being able to play in 15 mm. and then having to wait two extra years to play because of COVID. Right. So, yeah, in, in a way, there's sort of unfinished business there, but you can't go into an event thinking that way you just right. have to go and play but um i i'm certainly i've missed it it's, it's been a while and especially like i've played the the dunhill links and played st andrews a lot since 2015 right. but it's your game well it seems yeah it does i mean you don't it's a simple it's a simple strategy avoid the bunkers keep right. it left and you know make sure that your lag putting's in good shape and you're you've got a you've got a good chance all right, that's Rory on Beyond the Clubhouse. I love uh, what he has to say. He's got to wrap himself uh, for the month of June in wool. Got to make sure he doesn't get injured, play with his buddies there, uh, some soccer, before he gets to the Open Championship. Such a big one, 150th coming up here at St. Andrews. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll catch up soon on Beyond the Clubhouse.